This is going to be a hard, hard video. The right to privacy versus the exploitation and abuse of children is about as hard as it gets, which is why you'll find InfoSec people for and against this, child advocacy people for and against this, and yes, even people inside Apple for and against this. There are also critical moral, ethical, and philosophical arguments regardless of any and all of the technology involved. But a lot of the arguments being made are currently being predicated on the technology, and they're getting it wrong. Unintentionally or deliberately, tactily or callously, people keep getting the basic technology wrong. So I'm going to explain just exactly how these new child safety features work and answer as many of your questions about them as I possibly can. So then when it comes to those critical moral, ethical, and philosophical arguments, you have the absolute best information possible so you can make the absolute best decision possible for you and yours. So what are these new child safety features? Well, first, Siri and search intermediation and interception to help people get help with the prevention of child exploitation and abuse materials, CSAM, and provide information and resources. Second, communication safety to help disrupt grooming cycles and prevent child predation. The messages app and parental controls are being updated to enable warnings for explicit images sent or received by and to minors over iMessage. And for children 12 years and under, the option for a parent or guardian to be notified if the child chooses to view those images anyway. Third, CSAM detection, to stop collections of CSAM being stored or trafficked through iCloud Photo Library on Apple servers. The uploader is being updated to match and flag any such images on upload using a fairly complex cryptographic system, which Apple believes better maintains user privacy compared to simply scanning the whole entire online photo library the way Google, Microsoft, Facebook, Dropbox, and others have been doing for upwards of a decade already. When and where are these new features coming? They're coming as part of iOS 15, iPadOS 15, watchOS 8, and macOS Monterey later this fall, but only in the US, the United States of America, for now. Only in the US? Yes, only in the US. But Apple has said they will consider adding more countries and regions on a case-by-case basis in the future, in keeping with local laws and as Apple deems appropriate. So what are the objections to these new features? Well, first, that Apple's not our parent and shouldn't be intermediating or intervening Siri or search queries for any reason at all ever. That's between you and your search engine. But there's actually been very little pushback on this part in particular beyond the purely philosophical at this point. Second, that the communication system might be misused by abusive parents to further control children and may out non-hetero children, exposing them to further abuse and abandonment. Third, that while Apple intends for the CSAM detection on upload to be far narrower in scope and more privacy-centric, the on-device matching actually makes it more of a violation and that the mere existence of the system creates the potential for misuse and abuse beyond CSAM, especially by authoritarian governments already intent on pressuring their way into Apple systems. How does this new Siri and search feature work? So I'll get to the more controversial communication safety and CSAM scanning in a minute, but Siri and search are pretty simple and straightforward, so I'll wrap those up first. If a user asks for help in reporting instances of child abuse and exploitation or of CSAM, they'll be pointed to resources for where and how to file those reports. 
If a user tries to query Siri or search for CSAM, the system will intervene, explain how the topic is harmful and problematic, and provide helpful resources from partners. Are these queries reported to Apple or to law enforcement? No, they're not. They're built into the existing secure private Siri and search system where no identifying information is provided to Apple about the accounts making the queries. And so there's nothing that can be forwarded to any law enforcement. How does the communication safety feature work? If a device is set up for a child, meaning it's using Apple's existing family sharing and parental control system, a parent or guardian can choose to enable communication safety. It's not enabled by default. It has to be opted into. At that point, the messages app and not the iMessage service, but the messaging app specifically, which might sound like a BS distinction, but is actually an important technical one because it means these features also apply to SMS, MMS, green bubbles, as well as blue bubbles. But at that point, the messages app will pop up a warning anytime the child device tries to send or view an image they received containing sexually explicit activity. This is detected using on-device machine learning, basically computer vision, the same way the Photos app has let you search for cars or cats. This time it isn't being done in the Photos app though, but in the Messages app, and it's being done similarly on-device with zero communication to or from Apple because Apple wants zero knowledge of the images in Photos or now in the Messages app. This is completely different from how the CSAM detection feature works, but I'll get to that in a minute. If the device is set up for a child and the Messages app detects the receipt of a sexually explicit image, instead of rendering that image, it'll render a blurred version of the image and present a view photos option in tiny text beneath it. If the child taps on that text, messages will pop up a warning screen explaining the potential dangers and problems associated with receiving explicit images. It's done with very child-centric language, but basically says that these images can be used for grooming by child predators and that the images could have been taken or shared without consent. Optionally, parents or guardians can also turn on notifications for children 12 years old and under, and only for children 12 years old and under, as in it simply cannot be turned on for children 13 years old or over. If notifications are turned on and the child taps on view photos and also taps through the first warning screen, a second warning screen is presented informing the child that if they tap to view the image again, their parents will be notified, but also that they don't have to view anything they don't want to and a link to get help. If the child does click to view the photo again, they'll get to see the photo, but a notification will be sent to the parent device that set up the child device. By no means to link the potential consequences or harm, but it's similar to how parents or guardians have the option to get notifications for child devices making in-app purchases, for example. And communication safety works pretty much the same for sending images as it does for receiving them. There's a warning before the image is sent, and if the child is 12 years old or under and is enabled by a parent, a second warning that the parent will be notified that the image is being sent, and then if the image is sent, the notification will also be sent. Doesn't this break end-to-end -end encryption? And no, not technically. Though well-intentioned, knowledgeable people can and will argue and disagree about the spirit and principle involved. But the parental controls and warnings are all being done client-side in the Messages app. None of it is in the server side on the iMessage service. And that has the benefit of making it work with SMS, MMS, or the green bubble as well as the blue bubble images. And child devices will throw a warning before and after images are sent or received, but those images are still sent and received 
fully end-to-end encrypted through the service, just like they've always been. And in terms of end-to-end encryption, Apple doesn't consider adding a warning about content before sending an image any different than adding a warning about file size over cellular data, or I guess a sticker before sending an image, or sending a notification from the client app of a 12-year-old or under child device to a parent device after receiving a message any different than using the client app to forward that message to the parent. In other words, the opt-in act of setting up the notification pre or post transit is considered to be the same type of explicit user action as forwarding pre or post transit. And that transit itself remains 100% end-to-end encrypted. So does this block the images or messages? And no, communication safety has nothing to do with the messages themselves, only the images. So no messages are ever blocked and images are still sent and received as normal. Communication safety only kicks in on the client side to warn and notify about sexually explicit images. Messages has had a block contact feature for a long time though. And while that's totally separate from this, it can be used to stop any unwanted or unwelcome message at any time. Does Apple know when child devices are sending or receiving these images? No, Apple set it up on device because they don't want to know. Just like they've done face detection for search and more recently full computer vision for search on device for years because Apple wants zero knowledge about the images on the device. The basic warnings are between the child and their device. The optional notifications for 12-year-old or under child devices are between the child, their device, the parent device, and the parent. And that notification is sent end-to-end encrypted as well. So Apple has zero knowledge as to what the notification is about as well. What if any safeguards are in place to prevent abuse? So it's really, really hard to talk about theoretical safeguards versus real potential harm. If communication safety makes grooming and exploitation significantly harder through the messages app, but results in a number of children greater than zero being outed, maybe abused and abandoned, it can be soul crushing. It will be soul crushing either way. So I'm gonna give you the information and you can decide what you think about it. So first, it has to be set up as a child device to begin with. It's not enabled by default, so the child device has to be opted in. Second, the notifications have to be separately enabled, which can only be done for a child device set up as 12-year-old or under. Now, someone could change the age of a child account from 13 and over to 12 and under, but if the account has ever been set up for 12 or under in the past, it's not possible to change it again for that same account. Third, the child device is notified if and when notifications are turned on for the child device. Fourth, it only applies to sexually explicit images. So other images, whole entire text conversations, emoji, none of that would trigger the system. So a child in an abusive situation could still text for help either over iMessage or SMS without any warnings or notifications. Fifth, the child still has to tap view photo or send photo, has to tap again through the first warning, and then has to tap a third time through the notification warning to trigger a notification to the parent or guardian device. And of course, people ignore warnings all the time. And young kids typically have curiosity, even reckless curiosity, far beyond their cognitive development and don't always have parents or guardians with their well-being and welfare at heart. And for people who are concerned that the system will lead to outing, 
That's exactly where the concern lies. Why is CSAM detection a thing? In 2020, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, NCMEC, or NCMEC, received over 21 million reports of abusive materials from online providers, 20 million of those from Facebook, including Instagram and WhatsApp, over 546,000 from Google, over 144,000 from Snapchat, 96,000 from Microsoft, 65,000 from Twitter, 31,000 from Imager, 22,000 from TikTok, 20,000 from Dropbox, and it just goes on and on. From Apple, 265. Not 265,000, 265, period. Because unlike those other companies, Apple isn't scanning iCloud photo libraries, only some email sent through iCloud. Because unlike those other companies, Apple felt they shouldn't be looking at the full contents of anyone's iCloud library, even to detect something as universally reviled and illegal as CSAM. But they likewise didn't want to leave iCloud photo library as an easy safe haven for this activity. And Apple didn't see this as a privacy problem so much as an engineering problem. So just like Apple was late to features like face detection and people search and computer vision search and live text because they simply did not believe in or want to round trip every user image to and from their servers or scan them in their online libraries or operate them on them directly in any way, Apple is late to CSAM detection for pretty much exactly the same reason. But to put it much, much more simply, Apple can no longer abide this material being stored or trafficked through their servers and aren't willing to scan whole user iCloud photo libraries to stop it. So to maintain as much user privacy as possible, at least in their minds, they've come up with this system instead, as convoluted, complicated, and confusing as it is. So how does CSAM scanning actually work? When iOS 15 and iPadOS 15 shipped this fall in the US, and yes, only the US, and only for iPhone and iPad for now, if you have iCloud Photo Library switched on in settings, and yes, only if you have iCloud Photo Library switched on in settings, Apple will start detecting for CSAM collections. And yes, only CSAM collections. To do the detection, Apple is using a database of known CSAM image hashes provided by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, NCMEC, and other child safety organizations. Apple is taking this database of hashes and applying another set of transformations on top of them to make them unreadable, which means they can't be reversed back to the original images, not ever. And then they're storing those hashes, the database of rehashes on device, on our iPhones and iPads, not the images themselves, no one is putting CSAM on your iPhone or iPad, but the database of hashes based on the hashes from the original database. And that includes a final elliptical curve binding step. So there's absolutely no way to extract CSAM or figure out anything about the original database from what's stored on the device. Think of the original hashes as a serial number derived from the images and the transformed hashes as an encrypted serial number. And there's no way to tell or infer what they represent. Then when an image is being uploaded to iCloud Photo Library, and only when an image is being uploaded to iCloud Photo Library, Apple creates a hash for that image as well, a neural hash, which is Apple's version of a perceptual hashing function, similar to Microsoft's photo DNA technology, which has been used for CSAM detection for over a decade now. Neither Apple 
nor Microsoft have or will document or share neural hash or photo DNA because they don't want anyone to get any help in defeating it, which really, really frustrates undisclosed researchers. But the gist is this. Apple isn't scanning the pixels of your photos or identifying anything about them. They're not using any form of content detection, optical scanning, or computer vision like they do in the Photos app, for example, for search. They're not figuring out if there are any cars in your photos or cats, not even if there's anything explicit or illegal about them. Apple doesn't want to know what the image is, so Neural Hash is based on the math of the image, and it's convoluted, like literally an embedded, self-supervised, convolutional neural network that looks at things like angular distance and cosine similarity and makes sure the same image gets the same hash and different images get different hashes. And Apple has just pages and pages of white paper up to explain the full process, link in the description. What neural hash does do is allow for matches even if the images have been cropped or desaturated, resized, or lossy encoded, or otherwise modified to avoid detection, which is what people trafficking these images tend to do. The matching process also uses a technology called private set intersection, which compares the hashes of the images being uploaded to the hashes in the blinded database. But because the database is blinded, the final step of the comparison has to be done on the iCloud server. That's the only place where the secret to decode it is stored. So think of it like an envelope. If there's no hash match, Apple can't even decrypt the header. They can't even open the envelope and can't ever learn anything about the contents. It also makes sure the device doesn't know the results of a match because it's only completed on the server. Inside the envelope is a cryptographic safety voucher encoded with the match result, the neural hash, and a visual derivative and attached to the image as it's uploaded to iCloud Photo Library. And that's it. That's all. Nothing else happens at that point. Because in part, in the rare instance there's a hash collision or false positive, it won't really matter. The system isn't designed to ever detect a single match, only to detect collections. To do that, Apple is using something called threshold secret sharing. This is a terrible way to think about it, but think about it like this. There's a box that can be opened with any 20 out of 100 secret words. You can't open it without 20 of those secret words, but it doesn't matter which 20 of those secret words you get. If you get only 19 of them, no joy. If and when you get 20 or more though, bingo. This means Apple can't ever tell what's in a single matched safety voucher. Only when the threshold is reached is that secret shared with Apple. So if the threshold is never reached, Apple will never know what's in any of the matched safety vouchers. Once the threshold is met though, Apple can open any and all of the matched safety vouchers. Now, Apple won't say what the threshold is because they don't want any CSAM traffickers to deliberately stay just beneath the threshold, but they have said that it's set high enough to ensure as high a degree of accuracy and prevent as many incorrect flags as possible, and that a manual, as in a human review, is mandated to further reduce any possibility of incorrect flags, which Apple says comes down to a less than one in one trillion account per year chance. To make it even more complicated and secure, to avoid Apple ever learning about the actual number of matches before they reach the threshold, the system also periodically creates synthetic match vouchers. These will pass the header check, the envelope, 
but not contribute towards the threshold or the ability to open any and all match safety vouchers. So what it does is make it impossible for Apple to ever know for sure how many real matches exist for any account, because it'll be impossible to ever know for sure how many of those matches may or may not be synthetic. So if the hashes match, Apple can decrypt the header or open the envelope. And if and when they reach the threshold for number of real matches, only then can they open the safety vouchers. But at that point, it triggers that manual as in human review process. The reviewer checks each voucher to confirm there are matches and the matches are confirmed at that point and only at that point. And only then can or will Apple disable the user's account and send a report to NCMEC. It's up to NCMEC to inform law enforcement after that. And even after the hash matching, the threshold and the manual review, the human review, if the user still feels like their account was flagged by mistake, they can file an appeal with Apple to get it reinstated. So Apple just created a giant backdoor into iOS, the one they swore they would never create. And Apple, to the surprise of absolutely no one, says unequivocally, it's not a backdoor and was expressly and purposely designed not to be a backdoor. It only triggers on upload and is a server-side function that requires device-side steps to function only in order to better preserve privacy but it also requires the server-side steps in order to function at all. That it was designed to prevent Apple having to scan photo libraries on the server, which they see as being a far greater, far worse violation of privacy. I'll get to why a lot of people see that device-side step as a much worse violation in a minute. But Apple maintains that if anyone, including any government, thinks that this is a backdoor or establishes the precedent for backdoors on iOS, they'll explain why it is not the case in exacting technical detail over and over again as often as they need to. Doesn't Apple already scan iCloud photo library for CSAM? No, they don't. They've been scanning some iCloud email for CSAM for a while now, but this is the first time they've done anything with iCloud Photo Library. So Apple is using CSAM as an excuse to start scanning our photo libraries. That would be the easy and typical way to do this. It's how most other tech companies have been doing it going on a decade now. And it would have been easier maybe for everyone involved if Apple had just decided to do exactly that. It would still have made headlines because Apple and resulted in pushback because of Apple's promotion of privacy, not just as a human right, but as a competitive advantage. But because it is so the industry norm, that pushback might not have been as big a deal as what we're seeing right now. But Apple wants nothing to do with scanning full user libraries on their servers because they want as close to zero knowledge as possible of our images stored even on their servers. So instead, Apple has engineered this complex, convoluted, confusing system to match hashes on device and only ever let Apple know about the matched safety vouchers and only if a large enough collection of matching safety vouchers were ever uploaded to their servers. Because in Apple's mind, on-device means private. It's how they do face recognition for photo search, subject identification for photo search, suggested photo enhancements, all of which involve actual photo scanning, not just hash matching, and have been done on-device for years. It's also how suggested apps work and how live text and even Siri voice-to-text will work come this fall so that Apple doesn't have to transit our data and operate, it on, and operate on it on their servers. And for the most part, everyone's been super happy with that approach 
because it doesn't violate our privacy in any way. But when it comes to CSAM detection, even though it's only hash matching and not scanning any actual images, any actual pixels, and only being done on upload to iCloud Photo Library, not local images, having it done on device feels like a violation to some people because everything else, every other feature I just mentioned is only ever being done for the user and is only ever returned to the user unless the user explicitly chooses to share it. In other words, what happens on the device stays on the device. CSAM detection is being done not for the user, but for exploited and abused children. And the results aren't only ever returned to the user. They're sent to Apple and can be forwarded on to NCMEC and from them to law enforcement. When other companies do that on the cloud, some users feel like they've given consent for that, like it's on the company's servers now, so it's not really theirs anymore, and so it's okay, even if it makes what the user stores there profoundly less private as a result. But when even that one small hash matching component is done on the user's own device, some users don't feel like they've given the same implicit consent, and to them it makes it not okay even if Apple believes it's more private. Why can't Apple implement the same hash matching process on iCloud and not involve our devices at all? And according to Apple, they don't want to know about the non-matching images at all. So handling that part on device means iCloud Photo Library only ever knows about the matching images and only vaguely do the synthetic matches unless and until the threshold is met and they're able to decrypt the matching vouchers. If they were to do the matching entirely on iCloud, they'd have knowledge of all the non-matches as well. So let's say you have a bunch of red and blue blocks. If you drop all the blocks, red and blue, off at the police station and let the police sort through them, they know all about all your blocks, red and blue. But instead, if you sort the red blocks from the blue blocks at home, and then drop off only the blue blocks at the local police station, the police only know about the blue blocks. They know nothing about the red ones. And in this example, it's even more complicated because some of those blue blocks are synthetic. So the police don't even know the true number of blue blocks and the blocks represent things the police can't understand unless and until they get enough of the blocks. But some people do not care about this distinction or even prefer or are happily willing to trade getting the database and matching off their devices, letting the police sort all the blocks their damn selves, rather than feel the sense of violation that comes with having to sort the blocks themselves for the police. It feels like a preemptive search of a private home by a storage company, instead of the storage company searching their own warehouse, including whatever anyone knowingly chose to store in that warehouse. It feels like the metal detectors are being taken out of a single stadium and put into every fan's side doors because the sports ball club doesn't want to make you walk through them on their premises. All of that just to explain why some people are having such a visceral reaction to this. Isn't there any way to do this without putting anything on device? I am as far from a privacy engineer as you can possibly get. But what I'd like to see is Apple take a page from Private Relay and process the first part of the encryption, the header on a separate server from the second, the voucher, so no on-device component is needed and Apple still wouldn't have perfect knowledge of the matches. Again, I'm not an engineer. I have no idea of the complexities and I am certainly not in charge of implementing 
or shipping a feature anything like this. So it is much easier for me to say than for anybody to do. But something like that or smarter is what I would personally love to see Apple explore. Can you turn off or disable CSAM detection? And yes, but you have to turn off and disable iCloud photo library to do it. That's implicitly stated in the white papers, but Apple said it explicitly in the press briefings because the on-device database is intentionally blinded. The system requires a secret key on iCloud to complete the hash matching process. So without iCloud photo library, it's literally non-functional. Can you turn off iCloud photo library and use something like Google Photos or Dropbox instead? And sure, you absolutely can, but Google, Dropbox, Microsoft, Facebook, Imager, and pretty much every major tech company that does this has been doing full-on server-side CSAM scanning for up to a decade or more already. And if that simply doesn't bother you as much or at all compared to what Apple's doing, you can certainly make that switch. So what can somebody who is a privacy absolutist do? You can turn off iCloud photo library, and if you still wanna back up, you can still back up directly to your Mac or PC, including an encrypted backup, and then just manage it as you would any local backup. What happens if grandpa or grandma takes a photo of grandbaby in the bath? Will they get reported? And no, nothing happens. Apple is only looking for matches to the known existing CSAM images in the database. They continue to want zero knowledge when it comes to your own personal novel images. Then this does nothing to prevent the generation of new CSAM images. So on device in real time, no. New CSAM images would have to go through NCMEC or a similar child safety organization and be added to the hash database that's provided to Apple. And Apple would have to transform and rehash it and then deploy it as an update to iOS and iPadOS because the current system only works, is only intended to prevent known CSAM images from being stored or trafficked through iCloud Photo Library. So yes, as much as some privacy advocates think Apple has gone way too far already, there are some child safety advocates who think Apple still hasn't gone anywhere nearly far enough. Apple kicks legitimate apps out of the App Store and allows in scam apps all the time. So what's the guarantee they'll do any better at CSAM detection where the consequences of a false positive are far, far more harmful? So they're different problem spaces. The App Store is closer to YouTube in that you have unbelievably massive amounts of highly diversified user-generated content being uploaded constantly at any given time. They do use a combination of automated and manual machine and human review, but they still falsely reject legitimate content and allow scam content on all the time because the tighter they tune, the more the false positives they get and the looser they tune, the more scams they let through. So they're constantly adjusting to stay as close as they can to the middle, knowing that at their scale, their massive unbelievable scale, there'll always be some mistakes made at the extremes on either end. With CSAM, because it's a known target database that's being matched against, it vastly reduces the chances for error. Because it requires multiple matches to reach the threshold, it further reduces that chance for error. And because even after the multiple match threshold is met, it still requires a human review. And because checking a hash match and visual derivative is much, much less complex than checking a whole entire app or video, it further reduces that chance for error which is why Apple is stating and sticking with their one in a trillion accounts per year 
false matching rate, at least for now, which is something that they would never not ever do for app review. If Apple can detect CSAM, can't they use the same system to detect anything and everything else? This is gonna be another complicated, nuanced answer. So I'm just gonna say upfront that anyone who says people who care about child exploitation don't care about privacy, or anyone who says people who care about privacy are a screeching minority that don't care about child exploitation are just beyond disingenuous, disrespectful, and gross. So do not be those people. Could the CSAM system be used to detect images of drugs or unannounced Apple products or copyrighted photos or hate speech memes or historical demonstrations or pro-democracy flyers? And the truth is, Apple can theoretically do anything on iOS they want to do anytime they want to do it, but that's no more or less true today with this system in place than it was a week ago before we knew this system existed. And that includes the much, much easier to implement scanning of the actual full image iCloud photo library, again, like most other companies do. Apple created this very narrow, multi-layer, frankly, kind of all shades of slow and inconvenient for everybody but the user involved system to, in their minds, retain as much privacy and prevent as much abuse as possible. It requires Apple to set up, process, and deploy a database of known images and only detects a collection of those known images on upload that pass the threshold and then still require manual review inside Apple to confirm the matches before they're passed on to a non-governmental organization before they're passed on to any form of law enforcement or governmental organization. And that's non-practical for most other use cases, not all, but most. And those other use cases would still require Apple to agree to expanding the database or adding databases or lowering the threshold, which is also no more or less likely than requiring Apple to agree to those full image scans on iCloud libraries to begin with or implementing an actual backdoor to begin with. Now, I don't want to in any way diminish the potential that there could be an element of boiling the water here where introducing the system now to detect CSAM, which is tough to object to, will make it easier to slip in more detection schemes in the future, like terrorist radicalization material, which is also tough to object to. And then increasingly less and less universally reviled material until there is no one and nothing left to object to. And regardless of how you feel about CSAM detection in specific, that kind of creep is something that will always require all of us to be ever more vigilant and vocal about. What's to stop someone from just hacking additional non-CSAM images into the database? So if a hacker, state-sponsored or otherwise, was to somehow infiltrate NCMEC or one of the other child safety organizations or Apple or inject and inject non-CSAM images into the database to create collisions, false positives, or to detect for other images, ultimately any matches would still end up at the manual human review at Apple and be rejected for not being an actual match for CSAM. And that would trigger an internal investigation to determine if there was a bug or problem with the algorithm, or some other problem in the system, or with the hash database provider. But in either case, in any case, what it wouldn't do is trigger a report from Apple to NCMEC, or from NCMEC to any law enforcement agency. That's not to say it would be impossible, 
or that Apple considers it impossible and isn't always working on more and better safeguards, but their stated goal with the system is to make sure people aren't storing CSAM on their servers and to avoid any knowledge of any non-CSAM images anywhere while they're doing it. What's to stop another government or agency from demanding Apple increase the scope of detection beyond CSAM? So part of the protections around overt government demands are similar to the protections against covert individual hacks of non-CSAM images into the system. Also, while the CSAM system is currently US only, Apple says that it has no concept of regionalization or individualization. So theoretically, as currently implemented, if another government wanted to add non-CSAM image hashes to the database or add an additional database, first Apple would just refuse, the same as they would do if a government demanded full image scans of iCloud photo library or exfiltration of computer vision-based search indexes from the photo app, same as they have when governments have previously demanded backdoors into iOS for data retrieval, including the refusal to comply with extra-legal requests and the willingness to fight very publicly what they consider to be that kind of government pressure and overreach. But practically, pragmatically, maybe even cynically, we'll only ever know and see that for certain on a court case by court case basis. But in the meantime, any non-CSAM image hashes would match not just in the country that demanded that they be added, but, but globally, which could and would raise alarm bells in other countries. Doesn't the mere fact that this system now exists signal that Apple now has a capability to make these kinds of systems and embolden governments to make those kinds of demands either with public pressure or under legal secrecy. And yes, Apple seems to know and understand that, that the perception is reality at function here and may well result in increased pressure from some governments, including and especially the governments already exerting just exactly that kind of pressure so far ineffectively. And Apple's position on that is they will still say no as much this week as they said last month or last year or any time before this. But what if Apple does cave because the on-device database is unreadable? How would we even ever know? So given Apple's history with data repatriation on local servers in China, on Russian borders and maps and Taiwan flags and emoji, even Siri utterances being quality assured without explicit consent, what happens if Apple does get pressured into adding to the database or adding more databases? Well, because iOS and iPadOS are single operating systems deployed globally, and because Apple is so popular and therefore equal and opposite reaction under such intense scrutiny from everyone from papers of record to code divers, the hope is that it would be discovered or leaked like the data repatriation borders, flags, and Siri utterances, or signaled by the removal or modification of text like Apple has never been asked nor required to extend CSAM detection. And given the severity of potential harm here with equal severity of potential consequences to Apple, what happened to Apple saying privacy is a human right? Well, Apple will tell you that they still believe privacy is absolutely a human right. Where they've evolved over the years back and forth is in how absolute or pragmatic they've been about it. Steve Jobs, even back in the day, said privacy is about informed consent. You ask the user, then you ask them again and again. You keep asking them until they tell you to stop asking them. But privacy is in part based on security. 
and security is always at war with convenience, the first version of two-step authentication they rolled out required users to print and keep a long alphanumeric recovery key. Without it, if they forgot their iCloud password, they'd lose their data forever. And Apple quickly discovered just how many people forget their iCloud passwords and lose their recovery keys and how they feel when they no longer have access to their data, their wedding and baby pictures forever. So Apple created the new two-factor authentication, which got rid of the recovery key and replaced it with an on-device token. But because Apple could now store the keys, they could also put a process in place to recover accounts. A strict, slow, sometimes frustrating process, but one that vastly reduced the amount of actual data loss. And even if it slightly increased the chances of data being stolen or seized because it left the backups open to legal demands, it still helped the vast majority of people. And then there's Xprotect, which Apple uses to scan our devices for known malware signatures on device because the consequences of infection they believe warrants the intervention. And FairPlay DRM, which Apple uses to verify playback against their servers and apoplectically prevents screenshots of copy-protected videos on our own personal devices, which because they want to deal with Hollywood, they believe warrants that intervention. Now, obviously, obviously, for a wide variety of reasons, CSAM detection is completely different in kind, most especially because of the reporting mechanism that will, if the match threshold is met, alert Apple as to what's on our phones. But because Apple is no longer willing to abide CSAM on their servers and won't just won't do full iCloud photo library scans, they believe it warrants the partially on-device intervention. Is Apple being forced to do CSAM detection by the government or by governments? And I've not seen anything directly to indicate that. There are new laws being tabled in the EU, the UK, Canada, and other countries that put much higher burdens and penalties on platforms, but the CSAM detection system isn't being rolled out in any of those places yet, just the US, at least for now. Is Apple doing CSAM detection to reduce the likelihood anti-encryption laws will pass? So governments like the US, India, and Australia, among others, have been talking about breaking encryption or requiring backdoors for years now. And CSAM and terrorism are often the most prominent reasons cited by those arguments. But the current system only detects CSAM and only in the US. And I've not heard anything to indicate this applies to that either. Has there been a huge expose in the media to prompt Apple doing CSAM detection like the ones that prompted screen time? And there have been some, but nothing that I'm aware of that's both recent and specifically targeted, publicly targeted at Apple. So is CSAM detection just a precursor to Apple finally enabling full end-to-end encryption for iCloud backups? That's unclear. There have been rumors about Apple enabling that as an option for years. One report said the FBI asked Apple not to enable encrypted backups because it would interfere with law enforcement investigations. But my understanding is that the real reason was that there were such a vast number of people locking themselves out of their accounts and losing their data that it convinced Apple not to go through with encrypted backups, at least at the time. But now with new systems like recovery contacts, that would conceivably mitigate against account lockout and allow for full end-to-end encryption. How do we let Apple know what we think about all of this? You can go to apple.com feedback file with Bug Reporter, or write an email or good old-fashioned letter to Tim Cook. And unlike war games, 
with something this critical, the only way to lose is not to play. Thank you for watching, especially because this was so damn long. So damn long. See you in the next video.